up, everybody, and welcome back to episode nine of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast. Um, as always, I'm Mike Solomon with Chris Davis, and today is an awesome episode. Um, we got a great interview coming for you guys. Um, we're going to talk some contracts that dropped today, Bouchard, um, Alex Lafreniere, obviously Austin Matthews, and uh, we'll dive a little bit into some NCAA hockey as well. But Chris, before we jump into it, how you been, dude? Um, how was your last? How was your week since the last time we recorded? It's good, man. Uh, was on the uh, Something Brewing podcast with you. Uh, with oh you. hell yeah! And uh, yeah, it's just such a blast with you guys as always. Just fucking hilarious as always. And uh, that little segment that we had about the uh, NCAA like really got me thinking that I want to, you know, um, college hockey in this show. Um, I, there's a lot of interest uh, with you know our listeners as well as the something brewing uh, listeners. There's a lot of yeah, interest. yeah, dude. Well, I've had a couple of people uh, reach out, and one guy in particular who's really interested in it. And I don't want to put his name out, you know, on the waves in case he doesn't want me to. But um, he's he was really into it. He wants us to talk more about it. He wants to get involved too, which I think would be awesome. So, and I know he's listening to this right now. So shout out to you you're getting us you know you're firing us up for this and um obviously in the future too we'll we'll talk more um about it but if if you want to get involved i'm talking like directly to him right now but if he wants to get involved then by all means um yeah. uh but yeah dude uh, this is the first i wouldn't say first year but um maybe the most excited I've been for college hockey in a long time. There's a yeah. lot of great teams and a lot of great players to watch this year. Yeah. You know, you, myself, you and Mel were talking about it. We're, we're looking at, you know, the top of the draft rankings and then, um, you know, potential Hobie Baker winners. And this is absolutely loaded, dude. Loaded. Like this is, we're talking like potentially five guys going in the top 10 from college hockey. Like dude, it, it, no, no lie, dude. This could be, mm, this could be one of the greatest college hockey classes of all time. Like, I, and I'm not even exaggerating. I, I'm dead serious. Definitely, man. And you, you mentioned the individual that kind of got us into, not got us into the college hockey, but definitely, um, you know, brought up his interest in it. And then as I started doing more research, it's it's so fucking interesting, dude. How the college game has grown. Um, and how much it has improved over the years. It's always been phenomenal hockey. Don't don't get me wrong. But as far as like the difference between you know junior and now college, it's phenomenal hockey, dude. There's some fucking studs that are going to be in college hockey this year. You know, just to name a few, Macklin Celebrini, who probably you know between him and Cole Eiserman, I mean, take your pick. Yeah, uh, to be the number one pick. He's got Lane Hudson coming back. Cutter Gautier, you got the three kids from uh, the National Development Program going to BC. Yeah, uh, Ryan Leonard. Yeah, Ryan Leonard, Will Smith, and Gabe Perot. It's it's just going to be such a fun year um, to watch college hockey. And being in Massachusetts, man, take your pick. Which game you want to go to? Dude, I was just going to say, especially being in Mass, being right around Boston, like I'm going to blow all my paychecks on Bruins games and college hockey games. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, Tess, if you're listening, but we're not going to be going on a date for a while. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be linking up my uh, direct deposit just right to Ticketmaster. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure that even that still won't be enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, we're being in the uh, conversation of college hockey, um, 
just how loaded it is. Do you have any picks this year for the uh, or, or two or way too early picks for the uh, Hobie Baker Award? Hobie Baker, dude, you could pick two or three guys from BC alone. Um, but my main pick is across the bridge, go to BU. It's Macklin Celebrini. I think Macklin Celebrini is gonna, you know, set himself up well for a Hobie Baker. Obviously, it's gonna be a tight race, though. Like you, like you mentioned, you got guys Carter Gauthier, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, uh, Lane Hudson. Pick your poison. There's so oh, many. Uh, yeah, you know, name your take your pick, dude. Yeah, I I would go with Celebrini, but I wouldn't be surprised if if it falls to another guy. Yeah, you know, I, I could see Celebrini having a very similar season that we saw from uh, Jack Eichel yep. in his one year at uh, at BU, his freshman year. I, I could easily see Celebrini coming in and just taking that, taking Hockey East by storm and just dominating. Um, I got a little bit different of a pick. Um, obviously, the interview we got coming up, um, we talked to this kid's, one of the, you know, this kid's line mate. Um, had nothing but great things to say um, about this kid. My pick for Hobie Baker this year is uh, Cutter Gauthier. Um, I think he's going to have another unbelievable season. I can see BC potentially pairing him with with one of these kids coming in, um, whether it's Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and, and just I could see this BC team just fucking dominating, dude. Yeah. Um, Cutter Gauthier obviously was the fifth overall pick to the uh, the Flyers, and I think the Flyers got a steal at five with this kid. Yep. Um, just a big body can put the puck in the net, um, and I, I definitely he's he's my pick for the uh, for the Hobie Baker this year. Yeah, and like you said with the Flyers, like he plays Flyer type hockey too. Hundred like percent. He is he is like if you could, you know, if you could have a blueprint for a a, a new age Philadelphia Flyer, it's him. Like yeah. down to a T. Not to get you know off off tangent, but what the Flyers have done in the past couple of years, as far as drafting goes, they've gotten some absolute steals. Um, this past year, obviously, they they landed uh, Matt Bay Mitchkov um, and Oliver Bonk, who I, I thought when when Bonk was you know in the draft process was one of the best defensemen. He was right up there with you know with Ryan Bacher and the rest of them, but. He ended up falling to the, you know, the twenties, and I thought they could have gotten him much higher. Um, and then we bring up Mitchkov, who a lot of these analysts have thought that he was the steal of the draft, and just an incredibly talented kid. Sprinkle in uh, Cutter Gautier with that, like this. They're on. They're not there yet, but they're definitely trending in the right direction for sure. Yeah, and and that's good to see too, because you know the NHL is always better when the Flyers are good and when they're competitive. Um, it's they're an exciting team, whether you love them or you hate them. They they have an exciting fan base. Um, obviously, historically, they're a good team. So the NHL benefits when the Flyers are good, much like you know any any of those original. I know they're not original six, but like any of those original teams with a deep rooted history. When those teams are good, the NHL is just that much better than it already is. Yeah. So some of my favorite hockey I remember watching growing up was when the when the Flyers were just a fucking pain in the ass, gritty team, just you had Wayne Simmons. I mean, take your pick, dude. Uh, Mike Richards. You, oh yeah, you know the Scott Hartnell, Danny Briere. Oh, we could go on and on. Just, Claude Giroux, yeah. <laughs> literally all of them, dude. Those were such fun teams to watch, and I think, yeah. I honestly think they're trying to bring that back to the city of Philadelphia. And I gotta be honest, man. I, I was stationed 
um, in Delaware, not too far from Philadelphia. And and what a fun city to be in, man. It just the setup of the city, how all the arenas are so close to each other and just, man, those fans are so passionate. I remember going to a Bruins uh, Flyers game in 2021 and man, it, that was one of the, my favorite arenas that I went to the Wells Fargo center. Um, just how passionate they were. I was getting shit on the entire game, which was a blast for me. <laughs> that's that's Philly fans, though. Yeah, that's Philly, man. And I honestly, <laughs> I, I love that kind of hockey. I love yeah. that passion. It's all in good fun. And uh, like I said, it, it was one of my favorite arenas that I've been to. So I'm definitely ready for them to, you know, get out of the uh, the shithole and, and get back to, you know, original Flyers hockey. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, when you're when you're in an environment like that, like in a in an opposite in an opposing team's barn and like the fans are kind of obviously you're not you're not catching a you know a right hook from a fan like th- that's not cool but if they're just kind of like <laughs> but if they're just like if you're giving shit back and forth to each other and it's fun and it's you, you know obviously it doesn't get taken too far then that just makes the experience that much better um i love when fans do that it makes every, it's like when you go to like the red sox yankees games you got you got fans going at it with each other but it just it makes the experience better and it just kind of um brings the it, it brings the atmosphere to another level yeah and, and you know this past season i we uh emma and i went to uh montreal for the habs uh bruins game the finale when um you know when bertrand got hurt and it was just a, a a bizarre time, man. Like I, I was getting ready for people to just fucking give it to me. You know, I was wearing my Halsey Jersey and um, I was getting ready for them to just give it to me and just chirp me the entire game. And honestly, I didn't get one ounce of shit being at that game. And I, I just, I hate that man. Like everyone <laughs> kind of like bending over and being like, ah, oh, well we suck. Like, you know, you guys are winning the pro. Yeah, we really can't. It's like you can still talk some shit. Like, listen, it's all in good fun. Like, it just makes yeah. the the experience that much more fun. Yeah, a hundred percent, dude. Like, I remember growing up. Um, obviously, the 2011 rival, 2010, 2011 rivalry, rivalry with Montreal, 2013. Like that whole that little like, I would say like eight to ten year run when the Bruins and the Habs were just going at each other's throats, yes. you know, Oh my God, there was nothing better than that. It was, it was like, you could tell that the, the game elevated to a whole different level when those two teams played against each other, because they genuinely did not like each other. Yeah. Genuinely. And yeah. it's like, it's like a story inside of a story and it just makes it so much more exciting. And it means so much more. Yeah. Little, little uh, story about that, dude. So, you remember when uh, Zidane Chara hit Max uh, Pacioretty into the dasher? Oh, so yeah. My old man and I, um, he's a huge Haps fan, by the way. Like, diehard. He was, you know, all, since he was little, just a huge Haps fan. Yeah. Um, so we ended up traveling to uh, to Montreal the game after that. You might remember that game by the Montreal fans wanted him charged with assault. Yes, yes. And uh, – Man, I, I had a Bergy jersey, and uh, we're in the we're in the hotel before the game, and he goes, "There's no fucking way in hell you're wearing that." And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, it's probably it's probably safe, man. And um, I remember we went in there, man, and it was fucking electric. It was brutal. P- fans were throwing shit on the ice, like just pissed off at Chara, and yeah. 
all of a sudden uh game and i'm glad i didn't wear this jersey because we're walking out dude and some some dude wearing a wearing a bruins jersey is just getting fucking dummied outside no. the arena and i'm like you know we're just kind of looking the other way which i kind of feel bad about now but um, yeah, <laughs> dude, that, that's like one of my early memories of like these huge rivalries that like really aren't a thing anymore. Like, Habs yeah. Bruins, like rivalry really isn't a thing at this point. Right. Like, like I said, going to that game, they were all just like, "Well, congratulations on the President's Trophy." I'm like, "No, fucking tell me I suck or something, like, ass <laughs> <laughs> or something." Like, <laughs> well, dude, it's like it's like with with all rivalries, right? Um, with any sport. If you need, if you want that rivalry to to be heated and to be at the top of what it can truly be, you need both teams to be competitive. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the rivalries between any NHL team, it doesn't have to be Bruins Habs, but um, you you need that level of passion where both teams are good and both teams are competing and both teams are having something to fight for. Um, and, and they'll never be dead, but rivalries will lie dormant for a little bit until there's something that sparks it back up because that that feeling of of i don't want to say hatred but i can't think of a better word to use right now so i'll say hatred that feeling of hatred is always inside of every fan but you need something to spark it like you're not just going to get mad because you see somebody else in that jersey like that's not really how it works but when you're at the top of your game and they're and both teams are just at each other's throats, oh my god, there's nothing better than that. Nothing. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I think it's I think it's also just the fact that you're seeing like a new core, um, yeah. you know, like in Montreal, a lot of these teams are in like rebuild, retool mode. Um, so they, a lot of these guys are probably were so young and were not even a part of these teams. So, like you mentioned, it's it's got a something's got a spark. Like something's gonna happen for this rivalry to brew. Like, and I don't think the Canadians are there yet. Yeah. Uh, I think they've got like maybe one or two more years of just kind of eh, meh hockey. Yeah. Uh, but they're definitely trending in the right direction. But now it seems like the Bruins are kind of going, like they're kind of just passing each other. You know? Yes. And yes. I, I don't know how long it'll be. Obviously, there are some really good rivalries in uh, in the NHL. You know, we bring like Florida, um, Tampa. Like, I think that. Yeah has the chance to be a pretty good rivalry. Um, but yeah, dude, I, you, could, I, you know what I think is going to be a sick rivalry. What is it? LA and Vegas. I think those two teams, especially this year, I think they're going to go at it. Dude. I, and I love what LA did this year. Like with, with PLD, PLD, like, yeah, you're going to see a little bit more of a uh, Brant Clark who he was yep. one of the top picks um, a few years back defenseman i think he's gonna play a bigger role for this team um i don't think quentin byfield has quite hit his stride yet um but i look for him to have you know a, a comeback year and a, and a good season alex um, turcott too what yeah well, no turcott wasn't dealt for a pld was he he actually you might have caught me on that he might have been i yeah. don't remember exactly the details of that trade shoot did I just expose myself? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get all this hate from these LA fans, man. You I know. I know, dude. Um, but, yeah, no, honestly, I, I love that trade for them, though. Like, you know, people people can say, you know, I, a lot of the comments that I saw about that deal was um, he they overpaid. But right now we're, we're looking at, especially just being in the shoes of, of the Bruins and Bruins fans, like, 
shit for a number one center i'll pay fucking eight and a half like are you shit like absolutely i would pay yeah. eight and a half right now for a player like pierre luc dubois and it wasn't it wasn't turcotte so i saved myself it was uh it was i it was i follow velarde uh, and yeah. um kupari yeah, see, so I saw that look for LA, man. Like, yes, a, a no shit solidified number one center. I, I love that deal for them, and I still young too. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, like I just said, there are a lot of teams that are scraping right now for a number one center, and to to get a solidified number one center at eight and a half million, um, with the cap going up, not to mention, yeah. I, I think that's a yeah. win. So that's a big win. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Speaking of, you know, we had a couple big deals um, this past week, past couple days, um, for for a few teams, few contenders in the NHL. Um, first one we're going to bring up is uh, Austin Matthews signs a huge ticket with uh, to stay in Toronto, four year, thirteen point two five annual value. Um, again, to stay in Toronto. What what are your thoughts firsthand on? Uh, on this deal for Toronto, not only Toronto, but for Matthews. I don't dude. I don't know because $13 million dude. And, and I know some people disagree with me. I know some people agree with me, but if you're putting all your money towards one guy, maybe not all of it, but a giant chunk of that salary cap towards one guy, I don't think that's going to, help your team i think it hurts your team more than anything else because you're you're this isn't the nba you can't rely on one guy to bring you to a stanley cup like like the nba where you can rely on a guy like i don't know lebron james to carry you all the way to the finals um i it was interesting because somebody compared it and let me pull up the treat the tweet really quick so this is i know this is just last season but dylan larkin making 8.7 million had 79 points last year. Matthews now at 13.25 million had 85 points last year. And I know, I know Matthews is unlikely to put up that small of, you know, production again, but what would you rather have? Would you rather have Larkin at almost half of Matthews contract or would you rather have Matthews for 13? Because if you have Larkin, at that 8.7, you have money to build around him and you can have a, a deeper hockey team. Yeah, no, I I can definitely understand that comparison, but but one flaw I think in that of you know, one flaw that I see in that argument is yeah. 50 of those points are goals. Easy yeah. on a consistent basis. So you're getting yeah. 50 goal, you know, he's a consistent 50 goal score um for this team. You bring up what does this mean for other players that are going to hit free agency? There's a player like Willie Nylander, what does that mean for him? That more than likely means that he's going to be gone next offseason in uh, yeah. free agency. And just how are you going to build a team around with, with all these guys with huge annual value you know, contracts? At what point do we, do we realize that that doesn't work? You know, right. it, it takes an entire team to, to kind of buy into the, you know, whether it's taking pay cuts or, or taking less, you know, less money. I just, you're seeing it even with Edmonton, dude. You're, that Yes. You got two dudes making huge fucking contracts, which are they worth it? Absolutely. They're worth it. Yeah. Without a doubt. I don't think anyone's denying that, but to build an entire, you know, an entire team, it's just, it's too much money, man. It's too much money for one player. Is he worth it? Absolutely. I don't think anyone's doubting that. 
Um, but I think the argument is at what point do we realize that forking out all this money just doesn't work? Right. It doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's just to, to build an entire team, like the captain move up. And I know we're kind of assuming that it's going to, um, but you have other needs. Like with this team, you have other needs that you need to address before. And um, it was actually a tweet from you that I saw that, uh, yeah, four years gives Arizona plenty of time to to build a new arena. Yeah, and I don't hate I don't hate that, dude. It, it kind of makes me wonder why it's only four years, right? What, I mean, like, I mean, like something. I don't know what the rationale for that was. I mean, you got a again a consistent four, uh, fifty goal score, and you only sign him to a four year deal, whereas a player like David Pasternak gets eight, you know, eight years. I wonder what the what the story is there. Like, it was it Matthews that didn't want to be completely locked up and potentially sign another huge ticket in four years? Like, right. it makes you wonder. And especially too, in four years, the cap will presumably be much higher than it is right now. So you could see him making even more money if he really does go off these next four years. But um, I'm happy you mentioned Edmonton because I was going to bring that up too. With, with Dreisaitl and McDavid signing giant contracts, you see the holes that Edmonton has. They struggle to sign a number one goalie. Their defense has holes. Their bottom six has holes. And it's because these two guys are making a massive amount of money. And like you said, absolutely, they're worth those contracts, no doubt about it. But at some point, I think teams are going to start to realize there's a certain percentage of the salary cap that you just absolutely – can't give to one or two guys or else you're gonna kind of anchor your team yeah 100 and, and actually that's a really good segue into our next uh free agent signing in evan bouchard who signed yeah. a two-year 3.9 million dollar uh annual value um deal dude this was a fucking steal steal dude based on the season that he had last year he played all 82 games um, finished with eight goals, 32 assists for 40 points, and a plus six. Not to mention in the playoffs, he played 12 games, scored four goals, 13 assists for 17 points. He was a minus four. But, man, he I think I brought this up on one of the, the most early Drop the Mitts uh, episodes. I'd like him to potentially be in the running for a Norris Trophy this year. Yep. Uh, yes, he did. He dude, did. he's just a solid, solid defenseman. I love this. And you're getting him at 3.9 for – Two years, dude. He, I know Darnell Nurse is making a shit ton of money, probably one of the more overpaid defensemen in the NHL, but like outweighs it. Like, this is this is a phenomenal signing for uh, Fenton. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, honestly, Evan Bouchard is a you could argue he's a top pairing defenseman for most teams. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of deal as we were just talking about with with guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl who are making a big ticket, you're going to need guys like Evan Bouchard to take a little bit less than what he probably could earn elsewhere to make your team better. Because that's what this contract screams to me. Um, He's taking a little bit of a pay cut to stay on a team that's poised to have success. If Bouchard wanted to get his maximum value, he could have probably made somewhere around like five mil and i don't think anybody would bat an eye i think everyone would would say yeah like that's a pretty reasonable contract for a guy like bouchard 
Um, I love the deal for Edmonton. Um, for Bouchard as well. You said it was two years, correct? Correct. Yeah. So so two years. Take that money. Take that time with McDavid and Dryside. I'll see what happens. And if if in two years he wants to re up again with Edmonton, and um, you know, just maintain with that team, he can or he can go test free agency and make bank. Now, do you do you think, dude? I think even even five in that anywhere in that five range. I think even that's a steal, dude. Right, right. Huge steal for them. I mean, if I'm, this is just throwing this out there on, on the you know on a whim. If Evan Bouchard hits the open market, do you think he makes anywhere close to like what Charlie McAvoy makes? Mm, I think he would max out at seven. I think seven is the highest that he can make right now. I think, and and I think I think that's a fair number too. Um, right. I I don't think anyone also would bat an eye at that. Yep. Sign at seven. Um, it just feels like Edmonton's kind of relying on this cap going up significantly. That like. Hey, in two years, like maybe we'll we'll be able to like you know fork out a little bit more. But yeah. I think this Darnell Nurse deal really fucking really hurt them. Yes, uh, for sure. He's still a serviceable player. Is he worth nine and a half? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think he's capable, but he hasn't shown it yet. He hasn't. He's had a couple good years. He he is a solid defenseman. Yeah. Again, like I I don't think he's a liability out there. I don't think anyone's saying that, but. You're being paid the same as a Charlie McAvoy, who again I, I argued multiple people this fucking week, dude. Yeah, my that he is a top to top five defenseman. Absolutely, it's, he absolutely but, is. Yeah, and you know a lot of people don't like that, but if you if you had to put defenseman in front of McAvoy, it would probably be Makar. Yep. Yossi. I will see. I wouldn't put Yossi ahead of uh, McAvoy at this point. What about Heiskanen? No, right? No. How about Fox? Fox. Really? I would. Okay. I see because I think those two are very, very. They are. They're very close. Senior. They're very they're similar. Like, they're, yeah, they're, they're like close. neck and neck. But I give the edge to Fox, just because of a little more offensive production. Well, his Norris Trophy year, he had an unbelievable season. Yep. Um, and I think that's really where he solidified himself as a top two defense. I mean, there was a point in time where he was viewed as the best defenseman in the NHL there. And, th- and this was, you know, Makar was just kind of coming into his own. Um, but right now I, I don't think anyone's touching Makar. Um, I'm trying to pull up my rankings cause I believe that I had Victor Hedman also ahead of, um, of McAvoy. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I just think I think the way that he has dominated for so many, you know, a, a long time since, you know, I know it took him a couple of years. Usually those big Swedish defensemen um, takes them a little bit to kind of come into their own and, and develop. But he's been a consistent top three defenseman um, for quite some time now. But I think those are the only three that I would really put ahead of Charlie McAvoy for talking about all around defensemen. Yeah. Um, and I think Makar's offensive game just how dominant he is, like, I think that puts him head over heels above everyone else. Yeah, so the the list that we're referencing right now was uh, posted by NHL Network. One through five, they have Makar, Fox, Heiskanen, Hedman, Yossi, and then McAvoy. Behind him, behind McAvoy, at seven, eight, nine, and ten, 
it's Darlene, Eric Carlson, Petrangelo, and Quinn Hughes. So, um, yeah, I think McAvoy is definitely top five. I think Heiskanen at three is a little crazy. <laughs> See, I also, you know, I, I take playoff time into consideration as well. Um, yeah. And I just think all around Charlie McAvoy has proven that he – I think overall is a better defenseman than Roman Yossi and, and Heiskanen right now. I think if we're taking all things, uh, considering all things all around defensemen, um, that's not, and that no one here is saying that Roman Yossi and Miro Heiskanen are not good defensemen. I just think Charlie McAvoy, he's going to be another one of these defensemen this, this season that are going to make a strong push for a Norris trophy. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you know, and and again, even this season, dude. Like, yeah, he didn't have the most points or whatever, but like, that's that's kind of this conversation that we have about, um, like the Norris Trophy. Like, yeah, Eric Carlson won it this year, but like, wh- what are we looking at as far as like intangibles to win this trophy? Like, is it just offensive defenseman award, or like, are we looking at the all around defenseman? Because right. if we're talking about the all around defenseman. Charlie McAvoy is going to be in that conversation each and every year that he's yep. playing in this league. Like, in, and that's why I really hope that, you know, at some point they, uh, they switch up this award, whether they add a new one, a different award for just an, um, an all around defenseman. And then I, I think they definitely have to make some changes with that. Yeah, I do too. I don't see why they wouldn't go with two separate uh, trophies at this point, honestly. I yeah, mean, it definitely like, like you saw a conversation get drum up, this year there was a lot probably honestly the norris trophy was probably the the award that was talked about the most just because of how controversial the carlson pick was and me personally i was against carlson winning the norris although i can understand why he wanted to having the trophy be set up the way that it is but at this point just just make two separate trophies you know one for a defensive defenseman and then one for just a offensive unit on the blue line yeah, no, I, I completely agree, dude, because, again, it kind of takes away the, I don't know, it, it just. It takes have, away it takes away from the position a little bit, it, and what it, it means does. to be a defenseman. And I think you and I have, I, I forgot who were we, who we were arguing with um, on Twitter about, well, Eric Carlson had, uh, you know, X amount of points. How, how are you not going to get, and, I, and we go. Yeah, but he was a minus fucking whatever it was twenty. What was it? It was like it was like twenty two or something. Yeah, and it's like as a as a top pairing defenseman, if your top pairing defenseman is a minus twenty two, minus twenty plus at that point, right? That's a huge lot. That's awful. Now, if say if Carlson was like a he put up the same production, but he was a minus six or a seven, I then I'd so. be a little bit fine with that. That's fine. Have a different conversation. Right, and especially because he was on San Jose. Like, we can have a totally different conversation about that. Yeah, but I think, like, even during the award, the the thing that they harped on most was his offensive production. Right. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, like I said, we could, we could go on and on about this for fucking ever. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the next free agent signing that, uh, that happened a few days back, uh, Alex Lafreniere um, signed a two-year... 2.325 annual average uh, value deal with the New York Rangers. Um, the former number one pick really hasn't come into his own yet. Um, I know he's been on that third line for the Rangers, a loaded Rangers team. Um, what are your thoughts on this deal? Do you think this is a good deal for uh, for both sides? Did one team did one side make out better than the other? 
Well, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. Um, Lafreniere is interesting because he's kind of been bottlenecked a little bit by by how deep the Rangers roster is. Um, obviously, a high pick. Um, he, he no, that was Kako. I'm thinking, but still, either way, Lafreniere a high pick. Um, but he hasn't really gotten to play consistent top six minutes uh, with the Rangers. So you can't really justify him getting much more than what the Rangers gave him on this contract. Do I think his ceiling is higher than that? For sure. Which is, I think, why the deal in terms of the length of it is shorter than maybe what Rangers fans would have liked to see. But I, I, I think it's fair for both sides. I mean, it's kind of a prove it deal, you know, like come in. We'll give you, you know, a, a bigger role with the team, maybe. And if you can produce, prove yourself, then guess what? When that contract, uh, you know, runs its course, then you can set yourself up for a payday. Um, but right now, I do think it benefits both the player and the team. Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting the fact that they, the, the Rangers, um, ha- haven't brought back Patrick Kane yet. Um, also decided to let Tarasenko go. My thinking is is they want to give Lafreniere a, a more a bigger role in this offense in this in this team, and yeah. give him more time. I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now on a third. He was on a on a third line consistently for the Rangers, 81 games, 16 goals, 23 assists for 39 points and a plus 10. That's not bad at all for a third liner. I mean, think about I mean, we think about any teams that we like Bruins. I would take that on a third line. Absolutely. Trent Frederick numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think and I think like I said before, I think it's definitely interesting the fact that they didn't decide to bring back those two veterans. Um and I definitely can see him potentially maybe playing on a line with like Jabanajad and um Kreider. I mean, who knows? This team is still so deep that I Getting, I don't think he's hit his full potential yet. I mean, he it was only 2020 when he was the number one overall pick. That's only three years removed. I I still think there's there's a lot for him to prove, and I think his ceiling is still really high. This is a, this is a great prove it deal. Um, we say it every signing. Yep, the cap's going to go up, so maybe maybe he has two phenomenal seasons. Um, and signs a bigger ticket. I, I think again, this is a extremely fair deal for both sides. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what he can do because obviously he's still young. I'm not sure off the top of my head what his age is. I think he's 24 or 25. Yeah, let me. Uh, we can look that up. He is. Yeah, I want to say 24. 21. He's 21. He's 21. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that you know, is- dude. I I uh so I follow a uh, an awesome follow for anyone on Twitter, um, Rangers fans or whatever, Johnny Lazarus. Yeah. Uh, former UMass player, dude. He's a huge Rangers guy. He does content for them. Um he's an awesome follow. So if you guys uh let me get his uh Twitter handle for uh for you guys. But anyways. Uh, it's Jay Lazzy twenty three. Um, he's a host and analyst at NHL, and he covers the uh, the Rangers. But anyways, he he was amped about this signing, and honestly, I'm not even a Rangers fan, but I I was too. Like, yeah. 
you're getting a, a former number one pick. I always love those stories, dude, that like everyone's kind of writing him off. Like he he's primed for a huge year. Yeah, like everyone's kind of written him off, like, you know, calling him a bust. The kid's fucking 21 years old, dude. Yeah. Kid has he just, he, just he, he was just able to buy his first beer. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um <laughs> but yeah, uh dude, again, people forget that they're kids. Like he's right. 21 years old, you know, and he, he hasn't even fucking and, and not and not to mention on a third line, he put up phenomenal numbers. That, those are great numbers for for a third consistent uh, third line player. Yeah, and I like I said, I think this is a perfect deal for both sides. He's going to get an increased role with this team, um, and yeah, I mean, if if he produces, which hopefully playing with players like Kreider, Jabanajad, whoever they decide to put him with, um, hopefully he produces and he'll sign a bigger ticket. Yeah, dude, and it's. People just have to remember with these kids, right? This isn't a game of of NHL on your PlayStation or Xbox. This is real life. Some of these kids are gonna just gonna take a little bit to reach their ceiling. Just as a fan base and as a fan, just be patient. Um, have trust in your development team for whatever team you cheer for, and just you know, don't expect great results right away. Just you have to realize that sometimes it takes time. Um, it takes experience and it takes going through trials and tribulations to reach that full potential and, and, um, really become the player that you know that they're capable of becoming. Yeah. That's a, it's an awesome point you bring up. I, I think the NHL and hockey is, is unlike any other league. Um, the, the jump from junior hockey, from college hockey to, professional the national hockey league i I think it's the biggest jump of any of the four major sports um i think as far just as far as you know these guys sizes the speed of the game not everyone is going to fucking come in and be dominant right away it's not the nfl where quarterbacks can come in year one and, and and start and play and and it's you know no transition right a lot of the it's it's very rare that you see NHL players come in the year that they're drafted immediately and make an impact. It's very rare. We're talking like player on, on one hand. I can count how many players probably every draft. Yeah, uh, McDavid. That's one exactly. of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even even I mean, even Jack Hughes struggled for a couple of years to really find his footing. And it's now funny you him. bring that up because I was just about to bring up the fact how many fucking people were saying Jack Hughes was a bust. Right. How many? How many? A ton, yeah. dude. The vast yeah. majority of people prior to this season, and even last season, you know, this this past season and the year before, we're saying we're ready to write him off. Right. And he just had an unbelievable. He just literally scored the most points in fucking Devils history. Yeah. Yeah. And, now look at him. Now look at him. Like again, it, him. not everything. It doesn't always happen right away. I think hockey fans just are a little more, little less patient um, as yeah. far as development goes. Um, I think he's going to be fine, dude. Like you said, he's going to have a bigger role with this Rangers team. He's going to probably play with a, a Jabanajad or a, uh, a Kreider, and I, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a deal that definitely, uh, you know, works for both sides. Yeah, man, I can't agree more. I'm a, I know I'm a Bruins fan mainly, but um, I, I like to watch all NHL games just throughout the year just to kind of – keep up with my fantasy team, keep up with, you know, just hockey in general, standings watching and, and all that fun stuff. 
Rangers are going to be a fun team to watch this year. Um, along with so many other teams, dude, it's going to be such a fun NHL season. There's going to be so many teams that surprise you in, in both a good way and a bad way. And, and the storylines that are going to be, you know, fun to watch. I mean, can the devils repeat what they did last year? Can the Rangers maintain their spot? Can Columbus, um, you know, surprise and shock some people with, 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 uh, Wierenski being healthy and adding in Fantilli. Um, can the ducks make, make a move? Um, the Blackhawks, I mean, what are the Blackhawks going to look like? Corey Perry, Felino, Bedard, Taylor Hall. I know their decor still stinks, but I mean, they're going to be a better team than last year. There's, there's so many teams and I could rattle off a, a bunch more. Um, but, but there's a, there's going to be a lot of, uh, fun storylines to keep up with. Yeah. It's going to be an awesome year. A lot of, you know, in talking about the Rangers, we, we talked about when we're doing our rankings, how loaded this uh, Metro division is and the Atlantic. So it's going to be an interesting year. Um, we'll see. Hopefully uh, I'm a big Lafreniere fan, man. I, I always, like I brought up, I, I love seeing, uh, I love seeing players get written off and then, and be able to, you know, shove it up, you know, these fans hoops and, uh, yeah. and yeah. Prove people wrong. So I think it's, I, I, I really expect him to have a, a big season, but, we're going to turn it over to uh, – we had an awesome guest uh, on today, um, Trevor Kuntar, um, former awesome. BC Eagle, um, third-round pick of the Boston Bruins, uh, signed a two-year deal um, this offseason. Unbelievable kid, man. Every, everyone that we have on is just so kind and just so humble, and uh, Trevor was no different. Um, just just so humble and, and the stories that he has, you know, about his uh, – you know, just his hockey career were unbelievable. So uh, without further ado, uh, we'll bring you Trevor Kuntar. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Episode 9 of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. We, I am with my host, Mike Sullivan, and we are with Boston Bruins forward Trevor Kuntar. Trevor, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well, man. Can't complain. It's a uh, definitely an honor to have you on. We're we're super pumped about this interview. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. How's the uh, How's the summer been going for you? Uh, it's been going really well. I've been uh, I was home until July, and then I went to development camp beginning of July, and I've just been staying in Boston ever since. So I've just been enjoying my time out here training and uh, doing some of my rehab. Uh, I had my injury at the end of last season, and uh, just skating and stuff. So it's been super fun. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Uh, you mentioned you missed development camp. I was kind of bummed I missed you. I was, I was pumped to get out there. I got kind of left to the uh, left to the wolves when I was there. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, to go get asked random questions around the locker room. I looked like a fucking lost puppy in there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was definitely a good experience. But uh, so how how often have you been? You haven't been on the ice at all. No, so I've been I've been skating since I started skating a little bit in June end of June. And then, uh, obviously no contact, but I was able to start doing contact like end of July. So I'm like back to hundred percent now, which is good. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Definitely a tough rehab. So I, I can't imagine yeah. what, uh, what that was like going through. Yeah. That. I'm glad it's towards the tail end of it now. So yeah. Dude. yeah. And, and especially no golf all off season. That's oh my God. That's, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. So, 
obviously you signed a, a contract uh, this off season. Um, take us through that process. And obviously we want to congratulate you on that, you know, signing that ticket. And uh, obviously that's a huge accomplishment. Take us through that process and what that was like signing that first NHL deal. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, um, it was definitely like a kind of crazy situation for me because um, with my injury, it was like right after my season was over and I ended up getting an elbow surgery right away. Um, and then I, after about three weeks, I recovered and then I signed my first contract. I was obviously in communication with the Bruins and it was just, it was just awesome. Like, obviously it was a really tough decision to leave BC, but I felt that, uh, I was ready to kind of take the next step. And I was like, kind of hungry for another challenge. And I just thought that it was the right time to do it. So I was obviously really excited after talking to my family and everything. It was awesome. Yeah. What, yeah, was, man. what was that like? Like, you know, were you with family when you, when you officially signed it? Like uh, what was, you know, your phone? No, was- so I, I was in Boston the whole time. Um, but obviously I was on the phone with my parents, my friends, family. I let some of my buddies know from back home, like what was going on. I had them in the loop and, it was just a really cool experience. My family was obviously super excited, super proud. So, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was awesome. I'm excited to kind of get going for like training camp soon and kind of see how everything is. So I'm super excited. Yeah, man. Kind of talking on BC too. Um, you spent three years there, obviously you experienced a little bit with, uh, Jerry York, obviously legendary hockey coach, um, college hockey coach, but you also got to play for Greg Brown in his, in his first season. What was the difference in philosophies between the two, obviously with York being there for forever and establishing himself as one of the best college hockey coaches ever? Um, you know, what was that like playing for York? And then what was the transition like going from Jerry York to uh, Greg Brown? Yeah, I mean, obviously playing for Jerry was great. He's just, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard, but he's obviously, he's just the best guy. He's a great human being. And uh um, yeah, we had, my freshman year, we had a really good team, so that was super, super fun. Um, and just kind of seeing how he's always positive in the locker room has been awesome, and just seeing how he is on the ice. And obviously, he's the winningest coach in college hockey, so it was, uh, it was an honor to play for him. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a – we weren't really expecting it when he retired, and he just – he came in the locker room after my sophomore season um, in the spring and kind of just told us that he was planning on stepping down, and then – um, it was very interesting going through that process. We, we always heard like the rumors of the coaches that were interviewing and everything. So like we were trying to be in the loop a little bit, which was funny, but, um, yeah, coach Brown is awesome. I think, uh, him and, uh, coach York are very similar. Um, but, uh, like very similar people, but I think coach Brown is his mind for the game is, is awesome. And I think, I think this upcoming season, they're going to have a really good season. And I think DC is in good hands with him. So super exciting. Yeah, BC BC is primed to have a, a sick run this year. I can't wait to watch, dude. Yeah, they're going to be good. Yeah, Trevor, I, I want to take you back a little bit, uh, your early playing days, uh, like with the Buffalo Junior Sabres and with the Youngstown Phantoms. Um, when did you know that you really had a chance to to play at such a high level in Division One? Um, was there a specific like age that you kind of knew that you had, you had a legit chance at, at making it? Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, when I was 14, that's when like guys around me, I think the first commitment was around when I was 14. So the first person in my grade or my age, I think it was, might've been Spencer Knight actually, which is funny because I ended up playing with him at BC. But, um, I think that's when like guys started like talking to schools a little bit. So I always had like 
that idea like that I always wanted to play D- division one hockey and obviously play in the NHL. And I think at the time I was a little naive and I like kind of just like expected it to happen. I didn't really realize like the level, but obviously I was playing with like a lot of good players and being in the junior Sabres was a great organization. My coaches there were awesome and they really knew how to like push me and make me better. So I think I just always had that confidence. And then I think right around when I was 14, um, that's when I kind of started to realize like that this could be like a reality pretty soon. So. Yeah, dude, kind of like talking on your youth, you know, growing up and playing too, did you have any, you know, players that you watched closer than others to model yourself after? Um, I mean, when, obviously when I was super young, I loved Sidney Crosby just growing up. I I've always loved Sidney Crosby, the way he plays and protects the puck. I mean, most people do, but I think once I got a little older, I started to like Jamie Benn a lot. I think he plays hard, good two-way forward. Uh, I mean, he can score. He's pretty gritty, so I like that. Um, and then now I like Matthew Kachuk a lot too. I think the way he plays is awesome. So yeah, that's a that's a great guy to kind of you know aspire to be like. Yeah, dude, especially after this past playoff run, he was a fun yeah. yeah. Sadly, it was against the Bruins, but he did <laughs> yeah. very well. It was fun to watch. So fun to watch, man. And like, you know, he, he kind of plays on that line and you yeah. know, sometimes he does cross that line, but overall he's just a phenomenal player and, um, you know, can put the puck in the net and yeah, yeah. it's definitely a good player to emulate your game after. For sure. uh, so during the recruiting process, was there no doubt that you were going to go to BC? Were there other schools that you really liked? Um or, or was it always BC that you wanted to go to? Well, so I have a very funny, very funny story because I was originally committed to Harvard when uh, I committed to Harvard when I was 16, I believe. And um, I mean, growing up before like Harvard, even when I was super young, my dad played at St. Lawrence and he played a little bit pro. Um, but he I would always watch the bean pot and I loved Boston College. I was kind of growing up watching like Goudreau, Hayes, and those guys and those teams at BC. Um, and I always wanted to play there. Um, I even had, like, stickers in my room of, like, BC. But when I was getting recruited, I they never I never talked to them at the time when I was around 15, 16. And, I mean, Harvard's such a great school. And the coaches there were awesome. I loved – like, I loved Teddy and those guys. So I thought it was going to be a really good fit for me. And, obviously, it's a great school. So I was kind of thinking, like, it would set me up good for after hockey, too. So I just – I don't know. And the team's doing really well. That's when they were kind of, I think they might've won the bean pot around then and they were going to like the frozen four and stuff. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of a no brainer at the time. Um, so I committed there and then during COVID uh, they didn't have a season. So, and I didn't want to play another year of juniors. So I was like, I think this is kind of a sign to switch it up. And then BC was the first team that reached out and it kind of felt like it was almost meant to be a little bit. Cause that's like kind of where I always wanted to go. Yeah. It's kind of like a full, full circle moment, you know, yeah. like, kinda, that's crazy. Um, you brought up the bean pot, man. What, what was it like playing in that tournament? Um, obviously for people that aren't necessary, aren't from Massachusetts and um, don't follow it as much. Like, what does that mean for, for a kid? You know, what does it mean for the players playing in it and how big of a tournament was that to you? And what did it mean, you know, for you to play in that? Yeah. I mean, Sadly, we didn't win it, but um, just playing in that and, like, being in the TD Garden was awesome. It's just such a deeper meaning um, going into the whole year. It's, it's almost another, like, 
tournament that we get to do that other teams don't get to. And you just, you have so much pride in wanting to win that for your school and playing in front of like a full crowd at TD garden, where it's pretty much your own school and the other team's school, like cheering against each other. It's so loud. The atmosphere is insane. It, it's, it's honestly like you can't replicate it. And it's just super special. Um, like I said, obviously, I wish we could have won one when I was there, but um, it was it was such a great experience being able to do that and kind of just like play and just be play in front of your school like that. It's just a lot different when you're playing when both schools fans are going at it and everything. It's awesome. So yeah, so during during that, you know, not only during the bean pot, but college hockey as a whole. Who, who would you say that is the most? Who was the most difficult player to play against? during your your time in uh at bc um i don't know if there i can pick out like a singular player to play against but there's definitely some teams in the hockey east that play a lot harder than others and like definitely play more like meat and potatoes games i guess you could say um i'd say like like the yukon merrimack those teams lowell they always play super hard and they're super physical whereas like it's a little bit different when you play like bu and northeastern i'd say yeah. Yeah, man. I kind of want to take you over to the draft too. Um, did you have a feeling that the Bruins are going to pick you? Um, were there any other teams that you you were kind of, you know, leaning towards? You were like, you know, thinking they were going to grab me, or did the Bruins just kind of come out of the blue and and unexpected? Um, I I talked to the Bruins a little bit before the draft, but I couldn't get like a good read on like what they we're feeling, I guess. I, I just, I had a couple of good conversations with them, but honestly, I thought I was going to go to Tampa. They, I had the best conversations with them. They seemed the most interested at the time. And they, they told me they had a really good, they had me in a good spot. Um, but obviously, obviously the Bruins ended up picking me, which I was so happy about and ecstatic. Just like being in Boston, I thought it's going to be such a good opportunity to kind of learn like what living here is like is everything. So no, I was super happy. Yeah, obviously you got you got a couple buddies on the uh, on the team that also got you know also playing for the Bruins, uh, McLaughlin. Um, you got Gasso. Did they? How often are you in contact with them pretty regularly? Um, yeah. and, and how how cool is that to have your buddies on the same professional team as uh, as you guys were in college? Yeah, I mean, well, it was awesome when Mark. Uh, I was uh, totally pushing him to sign with Boston when he was like in his process because. Yeah. I just he was one of my favorite teammates I ever played with him. We were line mates a little bit. So um but and then when he ended up signing and playing his first game, we all went to the first game when he scored and everything, and that was so awesome just to see. Um but yeah, I talked to Andre and Oscar Jelvik is at BC too, his Bruins draft pick. So we all keep in touch a lot and obviously me, uh Jelvi and Andre, we were all on the line together for a little bit last year, which was kinda cool with all Bruins line. So thought yeah. that was cool. Yeah, you, you mentioned that line. You also uh, got the chance to play with uh, Cutter Gauthier. Um, what was it like playing with those guys? Obviously, you know, yourself included, just such a highly skilled line. What, what was it like playing with those guys? Yeah, I mean, obviously Cutter is a very special player, and so is Andre, and so is Jelby. But uh, I think it makes it a lot easier when you're playing with other players who are really, really good. So it was just super fun, and I tried to enjoy it. Um, and I don't know, we would we – would, love to compete in practice, which was awesome. And I think that's like one of the most fun things is like competing in practice with each other and making each other better um, with those guys who are like so skilled as well. I think 
it's a good uh, atmosphere for that. I think just playing together was super fun to see what we could do out there and compete. So it was fun. Yeah, dude. So obviously being from Buffalo too, um, you mentioned how you, you thought Tampa might be the team to pick you up, but were, were you hoping to kind of get out of the Northeast or were you happy to stay around, you know, stay local, seeing your friends, seeing your family, or were you kind of hoping to branch out a little bit? Um, Honestly, I, I mean, I was just like, I know everyone says this, but like, I was super honored just to be picked by anybody, especially after being passed out my first year eligible. So like, but when I found out I was picked by the Bruins, I was super happy just knowing that I was going to be playing college hockey in Boston. And like, it's such a well-known like organization and just like, especially being here now, you see why that organization has the reputation that such a good reputation that it does. And I think. I'm just like super grateful that I could have been picked by such a, a really good organization. Yeah. Uh, so Mikey brought up the fact that you're from Buffalo. I got to ask you what, what's the, uh, what's the best wing place in Buffalo? I know, <laughs> I know there's a lot of uh, conversation about that. A lot of discussion. Um, what, what is the best wing place in Buffalo? There's, I mean, you can't go wrong. There's a lot of really good places, but Barbell is by far the best, by far the best. They, uh, so I live in Clarence, and then they had the original barbell is about thirty minutes from my house, but they just put one about ten minutes from my house. So every time I'm home in the summer, I always make sure I get over there a couple times. But they by far have the best wings I've ever had. I'm gonna be taking your recommendation when uh, when I go up to uh, the prospect challenge. I take my dad up there, so I, I hope you don't let me down, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Mikey, what what else you got, bud? Um, I know you mentioned Crosby um, as, you know, a player that you were kind of emulating your game after, Jamie Benn. Um, but growing up, did you have a favorite player? Is it the same as, like, same answer, Crosby, Ben, those guys? Or was there somebody who you were just, like, a complete fan of, had their jersey, had their poster on the wall, anything like that? I'd say it was Crosby. Crosby, like, I, had yeah. I had, like, that uh... – that blue winter classic jersey that they had when they played the Sabres. Oh, I love those are, that. Yeah, those are I, so I, I nice. Those, those are, are my favorite jerseys. Yeah, yeah, those are the sickest jerseys. So cool. I've ever yeah. Um, and I had like a poster of him in my room and stuff. So he was yeah. That that was the year with the uh, that was the shootout, right? I guess yeah. Buffalo when it was like yeah, a snowstorm. Oh, sweet. Yeah, legendary. Yeah. Um. So we were. Obviously, prior to this, you know, before we started recording, we looked up, um, you know, your stuff on Hockey DB, um, and it has you listed as a center left wing. Where where do you feel more comfortable, like most comfortable in your game? Um, where do you think that your game is best suited? That's a good question. I think honestly, I love playing both. I'm not more comfortable in one or the other. I do love taking faceoffs. I think just. That's like one of my favorite parts of the game. So you're going one on one versus someone else, and I think that part of like hockey is super special and fun. Um, and I try to I take pride in my faceoffs a lot. So, but I did grow up playing center until I played in Youngstown, and then I, I played a little bit of both growing up, but mainly center. And then when I was in Youngstown, I played left wing for three years, but I took faceoffs my last two years. And then at BC, I played left wing my first two years, and then. My senior or my junior year, I played a little bit of both. So I don't know exactly where I'll be playing next year, but I'm happy to do either. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Mike. You go. 
No, all good. Um, I was just going to say, too, coming into, obviously, the first year of real professional hockey, what do you think some, you know, some strengths of your game are? And then what are some things that you think you can use this time to develop and just kind of get stronger? Yeah, I think definitely some strength is uh, being hard on the puck and just uh, competing. And I think my shot is definitely one of my strengths. But I'd say something I need to work on is definitely my skating. Just, I mean, I've been skating with a lot of the guys in the summer, and I think just seeing how fast these guys play and how fast they make plays and skate, I think that's definitely going to be different. But I think that'll come the more experience I get. So just something to keep working on. And we have – it's the right spot to do it. They have all the skills coaches on the ice that are really helpful. So it's been a great summer so far, and I'm excited to kind of keep building on it. It's awesome. Yeah, so the the Bruins obviously lost two legends uh, to retirement, uh, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci. Um when you got drafted, or not even just when you got drafted, just any at any point in time, did, have you had any experiences with uh, either of those two? Did you get? Have you ever gotten to meet any of those uh, of those two guys? Um, I have not met Krejci, but I've met Bergeron a couple of times. He's been around the ranks, around the around the rank this summer a little bit, and obviously he's just a super nice guy. He's, you can tell he's very down to earth, and you can see why he is the way that he is just from meeting him and kind of seeing how he is around the rank. So. Yeah, unbelievable guy. And obviously when we talk when we talked to Mark, he said the same thing. Just such a such a humble guy and just like you said, down to earth, um, super humble, just awesome guy to be around. So that's awesome. Mikey, what you got any other questions, bud? I got nothing else, man. How about you, Chris? No, I'm good, man. Honestly, this good. is yeah, everything uh I had everything answered. This was awesome. Um again, we're super grateful that you took the time to uh to join us on Drop the Mitts. And, uh, you know, best of luck this season, man. We, we, we've we got real high hopes for you, and the sky's the limit for you, bud. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome, man. Take man, care. Thanks so much, man. Thank you.